but it's more about just kind of having that interaction with our customers when you can't have interaction with your customers. Like, hey, man, we're still pumping stuff out. We're putting out content. We want you to still be involved. Yeah, we're going to be back soon. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be back. You know, we're not going anywhere. I fought too hard for this place. I won't let it go away, you know. God willing, hopefully the pandemic doesn't come back or anything like that. We're going to fight for these places because this is what we do and this is what we love. From Studio Pod Media, this is the Muddler Podcast. The Muddler exists to tell stories behind your favorite cocktail bars. Cocktail bars become beloved by their patrons for many different reasons. Everything from the vibe, friendly service, convenient location, great music, and of course, the delicious, well-crafted cocktails. But each bar has its own unique story why it exists and how it came to be, as well as the cocktails made and who actually serves them. I'm TJ Bonaventura, and I'm the host of The Muddler. On each episode, we'll sit down with the owners and bar managers behind some of the most innovative and forward-thinking bars around. Each season will center around cocktail bars in a specific city. Up first, San Francisco. Before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Golden Rule Spirits. So Golden Rule Spirits is a producer of two canned cocktails, the Old Fashioned and the Margarita. I know what you're thinking, canned cocktails, not really my thing, but I'm telling you guys, if you like a good crafted cocktail, you're going to love these drinks. They're perfect for going to the golf course, for bringing them on the road, vacation, camping, and they are dangerously good. They're about the quarter size of a normal can. You pop these bad boys open, you throw them over ice, and you're good to go. So again, Golden Rule Spirits, goldenrulespirits.com, at Golden Rule Spirits on IG. Check them out. Jamal Blake Williams might not fully realize it himself, but he is something of a fixture in the San Francisco bar scene. Jamal is a Bay Area native, and he started working at his first bar at the ripe age of 13. From his first job bussing tables in Marin County to bar backing and becoming a bartender to holding it down at classic SF establishments such as the Tipsy Pig in the Marina, Jamal has seen and done it all. Now, almost 27 years later from his start in the industry, Jamal is calling the shots. He is part owner of two fully licensed SF bars, Harper and Rye on Polk Street and a newer Peacekeeper in Lower Knob Hill. And he's also an investor in both The Lot and August Hall. There's not one universal way to run and operate your own bar, but Jamal's experience in the industry has informed his personal view on leadership. He likes to be fully involved. Other ownership teams may bring in bar managers and shift leaders who make day-to-day decisions and guide the vision for the place. That's not Jamal's style. With the amount of time he's sunk into the industry, the industry is ingrained in him. He's on site at his bars seven days a week, chipping in with cleaning and restocking, He literally gets his hands dirty as part of the demolition and construction teams at his location. And he takes an active role in developing the menu of cocktails as well. Jamal pours his blood, sweat, and tears into his businesses, and you can feel the passion he has for his work. We sat down with Jamal in his newest business, Peacekeeper. Located at 925 Bush Street, Peacekeeper is in the heart of SF's Lower Knob Hill neighborhood. Surrounded by the skyscrapers of Financial District and the steep cable car-filled slopes of Knob Hill, Lower Knob isn't necessarily known for its bright and open atmosphere. Peacekeeper bucks that trend. Inspired directly by the agave bars of Mexico City and Oaxaca, Peacekeeper's physical space is light, bright, and airy. It's a friendly and welcoming space with multiple levels of seating for conversation. It's decorated with hanging plants that give the space color and personality. Jamal and team clearly put countless hours into planning out the physical confines of Peacekeeper, and he lights up immediately when talking about it. 
How did Peacekeeper come about? Do you remember like the first conversation or thought that you had like, oh, I have this idea for a bar? Yeah, so we actually bought this building, I think four or something years ago, maybe. It was currently a bar. The woman who owned it, we wanted to buy her out. She had three more years left on her lease, or maybe it was five years we bought it, something like that. Anyways, she had a couple more years left on her lease, and we're like, hey, we're going to take over the, we're going to turn into our bar when your lease is up. So you can either sell to us now, or you can run out the remaining. She chose to run out the remaining of her lease, which is completely fine within her rights. We had a good relationship with her, and... During that time, it kind of poked around. We would come here. We would try to get up in the attic to see what the space kind of looked like because we didn't want to keep it what it was. But without getting up in the rafters, we couldn't really see what we could do with the space. And once we got up there, we saw that it had a really low ceiling and it had a really high ceiling above and an office in back that was used for storage. So that was existing. And so anyways, we were able to see that, there, all right, this is like a really high ceiling and it's like a really good bones to it. Whereas before maybe it was like 12 feet, now it's 25 feet. And one of our business partners, Rob Cashin, there was an existing skylight there, but it was only, it was pretty small. Maybe it was like eight by eight or something like that. And I was like, oh, maybe we'll put in like two skylights because this place was really dark before. He came back with an idea to put in skylights, to really bring in retractable skylights. That would be really bringing some light. The front windows that are above the door, those are all covered up because we just knew that we needed some, some light in here to kind of get the feeling. So with the skylights, we went to a vote. Vote was two to three because they're quite expensive. One of my business partners, Nate, voted it down and he, he knows that that was probably the, the worst mistake he's ever made, but, but, but he, out got, he got outvoted. So those were going in. And we try to look for what this area doesn't have or what do we want to build? Was it going to be tiki? Was it going to be this? Was it be sports bar? You know, so we, we threw out a lot of different ideas and we've always loved agave. Me and Nate had previously been, had made a trip down to Oaxaca and I had been in Mexico City and Guadalajara and there was just a lot of, I thought, kind of like big, airy. There was a couple of spots we went to that were kind of like daytimey restaurant, big space with plants kind of vibe that we thought would go well. So, you know, Mexico City, Oaxaca style vibe. So that's what we decided for the space. Now the name is a little bit different. We probably went through, I don't know, 400 different names. 400? Probably. Was it like a spreadsheet or a text chain or yeah, something? Yeah, or, you know, you're making your notes and you have like all these names and we're going through and we're everybody's submitting their names. We're like, oh, kind of like that one. Or, you know, it's a long and horrible uh, experience picking out names. But Rob, again... To his credit, definitely Skylight, check, name, check. He came up with Peacemaker was his name that he, that he came and we kept on coming back to it. We're like, you know what? We, you know, kind of like that, kind of like that. And then I was like, Peacemaker, I was like, that kind of like a, kind of a connotation of like a gun from the Wild West, you know? Like, I don't really know. And I was like, yeah, but I still kind of like the peace and that's kind of cool. And then what about keeping the peace? Like Peacekeeper, we're like, yeah, Peacekeeper. That sounds good. Kind of embodies what we want this place to be. Open to everybody, all walks of life breaking bread or having a drink, you have an argument with your roommate, come down and keep in the peace. I think that our idea and our motto behind our bars in general is, is we want it to be welcoming to all. You don't have to be a cocktail snob to come in here. We want it to be open arms. If you're not in the booze, but you just like to have a good time, like, come on in. We want this to be a friendly environment. We want it to be a, a welcoming environment. And you guys have done a good job with that because you can definitely see sort of like the Mexico City Latin influence with the exposed cinder that you can see here with the plants hanging down, the open air with the skylight. Like you definitely have that open air feel where people like we're in a booth here sitting down, but it's easily very, very possible that if you and two friends are sitting over here and me and two friends are sitting on the left hand side, that it's like creates an environment of conversation. And because it's so open air and like taller ceilings that 
it, it creates a little bit more cacophony than it would you would expect if it was you know just like two people in a bar. But if there were only two people in here; it would still be loud. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So these walls are actually uh, tell another story. So we originally were gonna kind of have like the adobo style, maybe like kind of like concave, kind of coming out, and it was gonna be this big process, and it was gonna look cool, but probably gonna be expensive. And we we got in here because we didn't really know. You don't really know until you start ripping stuff off, and we we started a lot of this plaster on the cement was kind of already coming off. We're like, well, that looks kind of cool behind it. Well, what if we just do that all of ourselves and? They had this big, maybe $10,000 budget for that we're going to have them chip it all off. And me and the two partners were like, well, let's just see if like we do kind of, so we came in here with crowbars and we hacked all of it off and made patterns in it. So it looks raw, but it's also keeping some of it. And then they painted it and we did that whole wall behind the back bar, but we covered it all up. I mean, it was a three day process on scaffolding and it was like dusty, uh, quite an ordeal, but we really did like the cool look of it. It's kind of like that raw, that exposed cement wall. We thought it looked very cool. Yeah, the other part that's really unique here is that you guys have the loft landing. Was that always part of the bar before? I mean, because that is like really like, I mean, for anybody who is working in, in tech, who used to like, who's coming from downtown Fidei over toward, you know, Polk Gulch and, and Pack Heights, like this is on the route. And so one of the things that everyone loves about this is being able to oversee the bar that's full. Like, was there a plan with that? Because I know you have the pool table. Like, you know, how did you think about designing that upstairs area? So... Just like at Harper and Rye, I definitely like the idea of having multiple levels, kind of like multiple levels of eyesight. It gives a little bit more structure to the feel of it, breaks it up a little bit as well. You don't want everybody to be kind of sitting on one level, I don't think. It gives it a weird feel. So right now we're sitting at down on a booth, and then the bar top is on higher stools. And then up top, people can look down. Everybody has their own kind of where they feel more comfortable sitting. And if you have just one level for everybody, it doesn't give them that option. Now, that was existing there before, and we just wanted to make it we want to make an area that also you can have a birthday if you want. You have to be kind of creative. Like in the front corners, there's there's that front corner that you can rope it off if you have like 10 people. You want to give people that ability to utilize the space the best way you can. Like Because you get requests for all different kinds of things all the time. And so you want to be able to like have an option for people. We didn't really know what to put up there. So we, we were going to put a shuffleboard table. That wasn't really going to work. So now there's a skee ball. And the skee ball is like seemed kind of silly. But actually people like kind of enjoy it. It's just something different to do. Makes it fun that there's TV up there as well. So before the pandemic, it was like two parties a week, always birthday parties. And until people were waiting for the, this pandemic to be over, my business partner, is he's taking all the emails. He's like, unfortunately, I can't book these parties, but we probably have like 30 requests already in for 20, 30 people up there on multiple nights, which is great because people want to host kind of smaller events. It gives us that option. Similar to Last Rites in our first episode, Peacekeeper is a pretty new SF establishment and only officially opened its doors in the spring of 2019. So in early 2020, Jamal was riding high. He had just opened a brand new bar in addition to his other projects, and he and his wife were planning on having a child in the near future. He felt like things were really starting to take off when the pandemic hit. So of course, it was a huge setback. But one thing we learned about Jamal is that he's a relentlessly optimistic person. Well, I mean, this is your livelihood. Being you're in hospitality, this is what you do for a career. And one of the many different industries that hit hard by this was hospitality. So what was the plan? Was Peacekeeper and all the other bars that you run, were you just forced to shut down? When were you starting to think about, okay, what can we do to pivot? What can we do to actually still make some sort of revenue? So definitely, was definitely freaked and definitely, uh, I'm a person with a lot of optimism. So I knew that if I started to freak out, my staff, my wife my friends would freak out 
So I knew that I had to keep it together. So you're the level-headed of the bunch. You're level-headed, like, hey. yeah. I'm like, like, dude, we're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. I'm like, we can take it. Me and Nate definitely kind of like huddled around. We're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to get through this? We cut cable. We cut everything. We cut track. We did everything we could just to kind of hold a good amount of money in the bank account. We had a good reserve in both of our accounts. And we just knew that we were going to have to pay our bills, but we have to be smart about it. So I was more worried for my staff. I had a lot of staff who I cared dearly for, who I've worked with for a long time. I was constantly checking with them. For some of my, my staff that can't get unemployment, I was making sure they're okay. I was lending money to staff that couldn't make it through or, or needed anything. But I knew that we needed to do something more. I just didn't really know what. I knew that opening up a bottle shop wasn't necessarily going to pay the bills. It's it's definitely good to be able to get rid of uh, some inventory, but it's not going to be able to make the, the money that you need to be able to pay rent. We had a dear friend of ours, Christina Ayub. She contacted me. She's like, hey, have you thought about doing like um, maybe some cocktail classes? Because I have a bunch of parents that we're trying to kind of connect and try to keep in the loop. We would love to do kind of like a send them home with these cocktail kits. Maybe they might pick up a little bit with the school. And when they thought about that, I was like, all right, well, let me think. I got to order the bottleware. Anyways, I figured out where I could find like plastic bottles and, and I made stickers. And then I did a one cocktail class over Zoom and I did like it was maybe 30 parents or something like that. And, and they each got four cocktails and three of them were batched and one was deconstructed. And I, I would go through it and I'd talk to them about each cocktail. And then we'd all make one together and they'd ask me questions about the bar or whatever. And then I'd let them kind of connect with each other. And Little did I know that the pandemic was going to rage forever, and I probably did, I don't know, maybe thirty to forty thousand dollars worth of cocktail Whoa. classes, of selling booze wise. Yeah, yeah, maybe probably sent out, I don't know, fifteen hundred actual cocktails. Me and Nate like boxed them, put stickers on them, printed up menus, shipped them out, did whatever we had to. It was a pain, and it was hard, and it was just like an assembly line, which is us too. Sometimes the wives would come in and help. We were able to raise a good amount of money to keep the lights on, be able to pay our mortgage at Peacekeeper and pay some of our rent at, at Harper and Rye. And we didn't know how long this was going to last. I did a 120-person class a couple of weeks ago. And that's four drinks per person at $20 per drink or two drinks per person. At so it ends up being a good amount. And a lot of people have a lot of fun with it. They think they're great. And they get to try different kind of cocktails that they wouldn't be able to necessarily make at home. And uh, it's a great way for me to kind of still connect, keep our brand alive. And it was hard, but it was definitely worth it, I think. So, I mean, that's, that's a great, great pivot story. Is there a plan to continue with that? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I mean, if, I mean, you're right. I mean, I guess the difference is like people won't be as interested doing Zoom if they, when they can come into the yeah, bar, right? But, but I mean, so the other thing is just no big or too small. Like I was doing them for eight person birthday parties. They're just time consuming and back to running two bars full-time and being a parent, being a husband and, and have my, my own personal life. Yeah, it's, newborn. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, no, it's, it ends up being a lot. And I would just like love for people to just come in the bars, but I, I think we, we haven't shut the door. If that's, if that's to answer your question. Another thing is I connected with a, with an old buddy of mine and, and he was making t-shirts and I, I made Peacekeeper t-shirts and I made a uh, Harper and Rye t-shirts that were a big hit. We sold this, I think this tie-dye one, I think we sold like 180 of them or something like that, like the first week, just over Instagram and Facebook and uh, no ads, just kind of like word of mouth. And I think that was really important. It was, it was important just to be able to get it out there and just, I knew we were going to come back. I just had that kind of belief to get it out that we're still around. We're still viable. I, I want this brand to be in your head when you come back out of the pandemic. It's like, oh, where am I going to go? Dude, let's hit Peacekeeper. It's like, I got that shirt. They're still doing great. Let's go see them. 
kind of thing. I wanted I want to make sure that it was still on people's minds. Are you still going to be selling the shirts? Oh yeah, you can buy them off our website and off our Instagram. Directs you right to the site. It's really awesome because you can purchase them and they get sent right to your house. It's not like you come have to come to the bar or whatever. They're great shirts, cool designs. I worked with two of my tattoo artists that have done a lot of my work, Jason Grace and uh, Gabe May. Gabe designed the Peacekeeper one, and Jason designed the Harper and Rye one. Again, I'm not doing it because we're making a lot of money off of it, but it's more about just kind of having the interaction with our customers when you can't have interaction with your customers. Like, hey, man, we're still pumping stuff out. We're putting out content. We want you to still be involved. Yeah, we're going to be back soon. Yeah, Yeah. we're going to be back. You know, we're not going anywhere. I fought too hard for these places, and I won't let it go away. God willing, hopefully the pandemic doesn't come back or anything like that, but we're going to fight for these places because this is what we do, and this is what we love. Like we said, Jamal is contagiously optimistic. That can-do spirit helped him redirect business efforts during the pandemic and keep things afloat. It was hard not to feel energized by our conversation with him and pick up a little bit of that positivity he brings to Peacekeeper. Okay, let's talk about the bar menu for a little bit in the bar program. Where do you start in your mind? Like, how do you go from conception to menu? I really want it to be, I want a customer to be able to come in if they don't know like what these different amaros are or whatever, that it's, it's okay. Like, it's no big deal. I don't want you to be booze shamed. I think it's important for the customer to be just a customer. You know, I think that's where it needs to stop. I think that that attitude needs to stop. Conceptualizing, I would say that I take a lot from my friends. Definitely David Ruiz, who owns Junior Bar and Stillwater in Marin in Fairfax. He designed our first uh, Harper and Rye menu. And I, I think I, I take a lot from him and his, uh, his approach because his approach is the same with, with my approach. I think the menu needs to be approachable for what I do especially. It's different for other bars, which is completely fine. But for what I want to do is I want it to be approachable by all customers. So I want the business to be busy. And that means that the amount of time that the customer is interacting with the bartender needs to be minimal. I want them, the customer to be able to understand what's on the menu as best they can. There might be a couple of things that they're not really sure about. Maybe that's a quick question, but I don't want it to be indecipherable where you're having to go through the menu and be like, I don't know what any of this means. Like, I guess it looks cool. Like, I was like, hey, what's that? It like, looks cool. Like, but I want them to have like some kind of idea. I think a menu should be well-balanced between all spirits, unless you just want to just do an all agave or all whiskey menu, which is fine too. But I think that for this space, we were like, hey, we're going to be a agave focused bar, but we know we're going to get Fidei crowd. And maybe all the people from the Fidei district don't want to drink different kinds of mezcal and tequila all day. They're going to want to have some vodka. They're going to want to have some gin. They're going to want to have some bourbon in their life. In our case, we have all those, we have rye, we have agave, we have spicy tequila. So I, I just think a well-rounded menu is, is something that I wanted to go for. Would, uh, would you say that's the overall theme was well-rounded? But like, so when you come up with, let's say 12 cocktails, well, you want them to represent like Peacekeeper, right? And like yeah. what you guys, so well-rounded, but like w- when you were getting started, okay, were there like adjectives? Were there things that you guys were thinking about? Refreshing, bright. I think when you think of like Harbor Rye, you think like kind of maybe savory or earthy kind of. You want people in here drinking during the daytime. So you're going to want kind of refreshing, tart, spicy that will go with the vibe. Definitely bright. Like So we knew that the bar was going to be the same planks that we use at Harper and Rye. It was going to be cement wall. There was going to be like a lot of grays, a lot of darker colors. So we're, I'm like, all right, so I need, I'm going to need drinks that have color to them. So your Peacekeeper, that's our most popular cocktail. Serrano tequila, lime, ginger, pineapple. It's going to have like your traditional margarita kind of color. So it's going to be kind of a yellowish color. I want red. I want green. I want berry or blue or purple more. I'm like, all right, how do I get these colors? How am I going to get these colors? So when people are walking around, it's going to 
like if you're looking at visual, if somebody was to take a picture, not like an Instagram picture, but I'm just saying of like an action photo on their whatever on their phone or in a camera, and everybody's, I want the, the the drinks to pop in that picture. So just like a piece of art, and I want it to work with the background colors that we have. I think the same thing with the bottles. Like I want the bottles to represent like a lot of color contrasting with our bar because there's going to be a lot of light in here. So that's why we have the red roses red. We have the green goddesses green. We have the the god daughter, which is going to be your purple violet color. Yeah, so I want to get those kind of colors out of the cocktails, and then how am I going to achieve that, and what, what are those cocktails going to work well with what spirits? Nice. What's your favorite on the menu? You get one. You only get one choice. I'm going to put you on it. Okay. I really like the red rose. Yes. Yeah, so I really wanted something red. Yeah. Like, how am I going to get a red? Like, I don't want to just, like, dye something. Let's go into, like, what's in the red, red sure, rose. Sure, sure. Yeah. So it's, it's a simple cocktail. It's just red pepper. It's tequila and lime with a spray of mezcal. <laughs> and so it's very simple And if, if, you, if you do that. And if you say it like that, but it's actually, I take red peppers home or you do it on a barbecue, but I, but I basically, on a, I broil them. So I, so I, I, I char the outsides of these bell peppers. I remove the tops and the seeds. But you're doing this yourself. I do this myself. For this cocktail at Peacekeeper. At Peacekeeper, yeah. I do, I do like about 30 or 40 of them at a time. Mm-hmm. And then we blend it with a simple. So we, we make a, we make a kind of like a syrup with like a little bit of sugar. And we, so it's, so it's, yeah, make a syrup out of it. But you get to keep all the black, kind of the black pieces from the skin. So you get a smoky bell pepper, sweet, savory kind of flavor. We're mixing it with fresh lime juice, tequila, and then we're dusting the glass with mezcal. And then we're topping it with like a little bit of cilantro oil just for kind of a contrast of color again. And it's served up in... And I, what and it, it, those are called Nicanoras. Yeah, okay. it's served up in a Nicanora. Again, it's a simple-ish cocktail, but because of what's in it, it actually tastes very complex. And that's what we want to go for. It's, so when you're reading on the menu, it just says tequila, roasted red pepper, lime, dust of mezcal, cilantro oil. Anybody that walks in a bar knows what all those things are. Hopefully, hopefully they know what tequila is. Maybe they don't know what mezcal is, but the other things they should know. So that's a drink that when you look at it, people are like, what is that? And they say, Bell Pe- I, this is one of the cocktails I did for a lot of those cocktail kits was actually, we sent those out, the Red Roses. I had a guy that moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and I posted me charring the, the bell peppers on Instagram, being like, getting that Red Rose ready. And he was like, oh my God. He's like, I would pay $200 to have one of those right now. And I was like, we can make that work. Venmo me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I sent him, I didn't, I'm sorry, I sent him out two t shirts and I sent him out like eight of them batched to Nashville. I didn't charge him $200, obviously, but I was stoked that he really liked it, found it that different and interesting. That was one of the things that I kind of try to convey to the cocktail classes that I was teaching that these cocktails can be, you can make them, you know, if you just have to understand it. And if people look at things and they just think that it's like super complex and I'm like, you just need to try it. It's just like food. When it's done in the correct proportions, it can be an easy and well understand a drink. Mm-hmm. So the Red Rose is my favorite. I came here the other day and I was like, this is incredible. Like, I don't, it, just, it just fits right. So I'm glad that you said that. And we're going to have to, for anyone listening, you can check out the Instagram, the Muddler podcast, and we have a picture of it on there already. I said I posted oh, it. That's awesome. Do you like good cocktails? Well, of course you do. That's why you're listening to the Muddler. But do you like canned, handcrafted cocktails? Well, you should too. And that's why you guys need to try the Golden Rule Spirits old-fashioned, and or the margarita in a can. I know we've talked about it. Canned cocktails may not be your thing. These guys will change your mind. Jamie and Hunter, the founders of Golden Rule Spirits, have really nailed these recipes. It's actually a family recipe. The margarita one is. It's super delicious. You crack that bad boy open. You throw it on ice. You put a lime in there, and you're good to go. You know what? Actually, I'm going to try one right now. 
I'm going to have one right now. Right after this, I'm going to pop one of these bad boys open and we're going to get the weekend started. So keep an eye out at the corner store, little teal can, little gold can, the margarita and the old fashioned, throw it over ice, goldenrulespirits.com at goldenrulespirits on IG. Check them out. We know Jamal puts a ton of effort into his businesses and is thoughtful with every aspect of how they come together. From the physical appearance and layout, to the components and colors of the drinks themselves. We also got a feel for his positive, upbeat vibe that he brings with him to work. Now we hear a bit about the process of naming each cocktail, and that reveals another part about who Jamal is. How he likes to respect and honor those who have helped him along the way and contributed to his life and career. What is the inspiration or the basis of why you come up with these names, or how do you come up with the names? So when we did Harper and Rye, my business partner, Nate, kind of surprised me and was like, hey, you know what the LLC's name is? I'm like, what's that? He's like, it's Bar Jamal. And I was like, oh, that's that's what's up. <laughs> 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 and um, because we named the bar Harper and Rye after his kids, Harper and Rye, his son was had just been born, Rye. So it was daughter Harper, son Rye. And with that, we named all of our cocktails after our loved ones. So it was like Britt and Kel, my wife and his wife, or Frankie and Levi named after our dogs. Or So when we, when we named Peacekeeper this, our actual LLC name, or then actually the name of the building is Frankie, Lady, and Levi, the name of all of our dogs, two of which have passed. And so with our, all of our cocktails, we were like, all right, let's, let's continue to incorporate like our loved ones into the names. And I think that's really important because without our friends, without our loved ones, none of this would be possible without their support. For me especially, I've had like some, some really badass friends step up for me and give me a little bit of extra funding to help make sure I could get my business off the ground. So all the cocktails are named after loved ones. So Peacekeeper is not, obviously, it's named after the bar. Mum's the Word is named after um, dear friend Becky's mother who passed away. She had Mum's flower design. Mum's the Word, that's kind of like a phrase, so I thought that was kind of fun. Red Rose is named after our friend Rose, who is, she works for Live Nation, and she's she's just a badass in her industry, and she's loved. There's the Desert Queen is named after our friend Amy Alton, who uh, has, has been my Coachella hookup for the past 12 years, and she, so we call her the Desert Queen. Okay. Our, um, and her husband is the, is the Desert King. Green Goddess, I didn't really have one, but I just named that the Green Goddess. The Goddaughter, I have five Goddaughters. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So you, I didn't want to name after just one of them. There could be a situation where yeah, you're going to have a full household. Yeah. <laughs> the Green Goddess, so it's a Green Goddess. So you're saying that name could be, it's flexible. It's flexible. It's flexible. It's, so it's so flexible. if someone gets into Jamal's life, there you could be named, you could have a cocktail Ex- named after you. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just and so on and so forth. It's just, it's definitely, they're all named after loved ones. Love that. I mean, it's important, right? Like, I mean, you're building something and there's people there that are going to support you and tell you the honest truth and tell you when you need to adjust or when you need to, when you're in the middle of adversity, like telling you just like the honest, the honest, God's honest truth. And it's important to pay respects to those. And this is a great way to do it. Yeah, I love it. Like I told you about the cocktail kits, like Christina and Basil, dear friends. And, and she was like, Hey, like, how can we support these guys? I know they're hurting. Like, Hey, like, let's just order a bunch of cocktails from them and have them make it and teach them. We can give them some money. You know, that was like super important. When I launched these t-shirts, all of my friends bought them. They didn't need to buy more t-shirts, but they want to support any way they could. We put a plaque above our pool table. Our dear friend Todd lost his father. He was a big pool shark. And so the table is dedicated to him. So he has a plaque above Love our pool that. table. You know, it's just, it's just those little things that I think are really important to kind of let people know that, yes, this is our bar, but I want it to be, this is everybody's bar, all of our friends. And the more you create that, the more you actually really believe that, the more that they'll believe that. And we've had 40th birthdays for multiple friends at our bars. We've had somebody that, that asked me if they could get married at one of my bars. These things that like really 
if you get detached from your bar and you look at it as a solely as a business and just the X's and O's or just the dollar symbols or whatever it is, the profit and loss, the P&L sheets, you really lose track of what this of what these places really represent. These places represent an exit from people's day-to-day life or say they live in a one or two bedroom or studio apartment and they want to go just go hang out. Maybe they don't have a family. Maybe they don't see their friends all the time, but they know they can come down to the bar. They can hang out with the bartender or meet other people. And this is really a part of people's day-to-day life. And so if you lose sight of that and you only focus on the other things and you don't try to attach people and their experiences at your bar, then why are you even doing it to begin with? And you should be doing something else, in my opinion. Community is incredibly important to Jamal and his business partners. Throughout our conversation, he spent a lot of time reflecting on who has helped him get to where he's at today. The names of his drinks are a touching way to pay it forward. But when building a community like this one, you're bound to have compiled your fair share of stories, especially when you have as many years in the industry as he does. All right, last question here. This is the last call segment. What is the craziest, outrageous, interesting story that you've had happen with a patron here at Peacekeeper? Well, this may or may not have happened here, but Marshawn Lynch was a friend of one of my business partner's mother because she tutored him while he was in high school going to college. He would come to all the opening parties that we threw out for, through the years through the different bars. And what him and his crew love to drink is Patrenesi. Okay. So half Patron, half Hennessy, Patrenesi. I think that's probably the most outrageous cocktail that I've ever had to make. Like, are we talking like just on a cube straight? Like, nah. are we doing like half shot? Half, like, neat. we're talking. Yeah, you- like equal parts, neat and neat. Patronacy, just like you drink Hennessy, but yeah. you got big Patron to it. So yeah, I've, I would definitely say that was uh, definitely wild. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, um, Joey, Joey, our writer right now is just like laughing, yeah. dying at that. He loves that. <laughs> I um, hasn't. I mean, all my crazy stories are. You, you don't want crazy. What you want is you want you want just easy sail. Not easy. You, can, you want you want cranking. You want you you want straightforward, clean, good fun. Yeah, not always because though. the days of me having a a fight breaking out and me having to run around the bar, but I can't run around the bar because we're so busy that I have to like basically just take two steps and like use the dishwasher to hop over the bar to go tackle some guys. I'm turning 40 in a month. Hopefully that <laughs> those days are those days are long over. No real crazy stories at Peacekeeper, thankfully. It's just been It's I mean, called Peacekeeper, man. It's like, called, yeah, yeah. keeping the peace, brother. Keeping the peace. I mean, I, we had we had a group of some friends of mine and they were sitting upstairs and two of the girls I was told the next day that two of the girls actually got in a fight with each other. And I was like, all right, well, at least they didn't hit any other customers. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just kicked out two people from the same group, which is always good. But yeah, it's all about keeping the peace, man. Like, fingers crossed, that's the way it continues. I think it's been a little bit interesting with the pandemic. I think people don't really know exactly how to act around each other. They're kind of like, hey, man, you crowded my space or whatever it's this, you know. So my, my word to the wise is if you're not ready for the public, like, Maybe just ease into it. Don't just jump in because people are they're out. They're ready to ready, they're to, ready be to go, yeah, man. They're ready to be out. They're ready to be social. So if if you're afraid of that, don't jump in. What are you most excited about now that things are hopefully opening up here soon? Honestly, I never knew how much I missed people. I mean, I, I've been in this industry for 27 years, and I love people so much, and I love like the smile I get on people's faces. And the biggest reward that I've gotten is not money coming in because. We're still not making anything close to what we used to make. And that doesn't even matter to me because we made it through, you know? So everything else is fine. What matters the most is having people being like, pull me aside and be like, it means so much to me that you guys are back open. I love you guys so much. Like you guys are doing such a great job. We miss you so much. People hitting me up, personal like messages, emails. That means so, so much because I can see it on people's faces how much they've needed this. And they didn't know how much maybe 
being at home for 14 months really affected them. Having fun and interacting is definitely something that I enjoy and, and I think people do as well. So that's been the biggest, biggest reward thus far. And I, and I can, I hope to continue doing that. And I wouldn't say that I was in some kind of cruise control because I was definitely busting my ass before, but seeing how much this means to people really lit a fire under mine and my partner's asses being like, all right, let's crush this. People want this. So like, let's do better. Let's not just try to get back to where we were. Let's do even better than that. Let's make even a better environment. Let's find another place to, to take care of people because people like what we were doing. And so like, let's give that to them and, you know, let's take this even more seriously because you don't know like how good you have it until it's completely taken away from you. So in that respect, hey, let's push. So as we close out here, like where can people find out more about the shirts, you know, you know, if they want to reserve anything, like where, where do they reach out? Like how do they get a hold of you if there's anything that they want to partner with Peacekeeper on? You can uh, find us at Instagram. You can email us at ola at peacekeepersf.com. You can email me directly if you want. I'm more than happy to. I like to engage as much as I can. Jamal at peacekeepersf.com or Instagram or email is probably best. Come in. Drop a card if you need. If, if you're looking to book like an event or a full buyout, we have the capability to do full buyouts, partial buyouts, birthday parties, anniversaries. We're open seven days a week at both Harper and Rye and Peacekeeper. Harper and Rye actually has the ability to accommodate even more people up to probably about 150. So yeah, reach out to us because this is what we're here for. And we're dedicated to helping and uh, making your experience the best experience. Awesome. Well, Jamal, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Anyone, you guys got to come check out Peacekeeper, get one of these shirts, get the Red Rose or whatever favorite drink you got. But remember where the names came from. Right on. Thank you. Once again, Peacekeeper is located at 925 Bush Street. They're open seven days a week and you can check them out at peacekeepersf.com or at peacekeepersf on Instagram. Next time on The Muddler, we head to Red Window in North Beach to chat with the owner and head of the bar program, Elmer. The Muddler is a Studio Pod Media original podcast. I'm your host, TJ Bonaventura. Our writer is Joey Mezzatesta. Editing and music provided by Notalap. For more information, make sure you subscribe and rate us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Go to themuddlerpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at themuddlerpodcast.com.